0: Hello and welcome to Beat Down, a musical battle royale. I'm your host, hang on, I've got to check my pager, Josh Burnell, and joining me on the <laughs> podcast this week, she's still wondering what Wilson looks like behind that fence. She's Jennifer Lane, everybody. Good evening,
1: Jennifer. Good evening, Josh.
0: He just got back from two days in New York where he camped out to see Limp Bizkit on TRL. He's Edward Giordano, everybody. Good evening, Ed. Um, I actually
2: won that contest by entering a fax.
0: And last but not least, she's a writer. She's a supernatural fangirl. And uh, she's still holding out for the return of the offspring. She's Candace Bartlett, everybody. Good evening, Candice.
3: Hey,
0: hey, hey. Hey, Candace. Now, um, we're talking about 90s music this week. And uh, if we're going to talk about 90s music, we have to have candace in the house uh i'll ask you in a second about uh your attachment to candies or to 90s music but Mm -hmm. before we do that uh we are here for a beatdown, wherein we choose a theme and each of us brings a song that we think is the ultimate representation of that theme we'll present our picks make our case and you the listener will vote on who you think is the best this week our topic is songs from the 90s but before we can get to that let's talk about last week Last week our topic was girl groups. Uh, Jennifer brought the definitive wall of sound recording, yes, the Ronettes, uh, "Be My Baby." Our guest Sammy dipped her toes into the '90s with "Hold On" by Wilson Phillips. I made you all exponentially cooler by introducing you to a bunch of 15-year-olds from Burbank called the Regrets. But it was Ed <laughs> who took the prize in a squeaker with Little Mix's DNA, Ed. Holy crap, dude. Good for
2: you. I, this is my first win, and I'm very excited okay. about it. Um, I will say, based on the comments I received, it was strictly on goodwill that Lil' Mix has garnered and not on my song choice. Well, <laughs> so it was, it was like begrudging voting for me, oh. which is oh, go ahead. how I would prefer it to be, I suppose.
1: <laughs> okay, so wait a second. But they, but they loved the band, right? Like, they, they fell in love with the band, so maybe it wasn't their favorite song, but you got... You, you got them hooked on the band, right
2: yeah, the the, the little group. mix group was the was what people were voting for ah. from what I gathered.
1: Who but, knew? I'd never heard of them before well so. I, mean, I mean they yeah they,
2: they're a pretty big
0: deal, I mean, I don't know. That's now great. did you campaign to like a little mix group of people?
2: Uh, which I totally not,
0: support by the way
2: uh not really i I just the few Twitter comments I got was like, I love little mix. Why did you pick this song? I'm voting for you. I hate you. Like, that was, like, the the commentary on it. Wait,
0: where did the I hate you come in?
2: <laughs> well, it's like, not I hate you. It's like, of all the songs, uh, I think it was, like, a literal direct quote from someone. Of all the songs.
4: <laughs> like, well, you can I... pick
2: any other one. I'm like, but I, uh, I'm like, I love that dubstep noir. It says, <laughs> I can't help it. I can't. I I have to be... I have to be wrong even when I'm right.
1: It it speaks to your science and fictioned heart.
0: There you go. Yes, uh, yes you got uh, the most votes by far. Uh, Jennifer was a close second. Uh, Sammy was right behind her. I got one vote. You guys, uh, it was my uh, mom. Was I'm it? Joking? It was me. I, I was gonna. I voted for her. myself because I'm a grown up. But uh, but yes, if you'd like to weigh in on the podcast, uh, you, the listener, you can always find us on Twitter. It's the easiest place to vote. Uh, send us a message on Twitter or vote for the Twitter poll, which will be listed on there. Uh, you can also, of course, find us on Facebook and tell us what you think on Facebook. But that was last week. Uh, let's get right into it. This week we're talking about songs of the '90s, and as I mentioned before, Candice, uh, you are by far the biggest '90s music nerd that I know. Um, I know. And I'm curious, like, why? Is it just because that was when you were 17? Or is it something special about it?
3: I assume it's because of of my age. I mean, 10 to 18, eight, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's pretty definitive. That's also all the best movies and all the best... Also, it's the best music video time. So that might have something to do with it, too. I mean, I have extremely
1: awesome visuals to put with all of that music. Mm-hmm. So that could be it.
0: That's a good point.
1: I mean, those are very formative years and for a lot of people, you know, when they start discovering music, you know, they're with their friends and junior high, they all listen to the same music in high school and, and college and, like, you, you kind of grow through that together yeah well and then you get a car and then you're
3: jamming in the car with the windows <laughs> down like it's a very yeah. important moment i guess yeah. but it yeah, holds had- up today i mean i'm still into it maybe that's what's weird to you is that i'm still super 90s
1: well it was like a sound- yes, soundtrack I'd- to a really important decade for you in your life Yes. I mean, I guess
0: I I not weird to me, uh, I guess unique to me uh, because I'm not that way. Like I don't no, you're have really so not. I don't have really have an attachment to a lot of 90s music, but even in the 90s I wasn't particularly listening to cool music like the song that I'll have on the show tonight. Uh, even though I do feel it's the definitive song of the 90s. I didn't really listen to it in the 90s. Like I was too busy listening to like Ariyo Speedwagon records, uh, which is true. And so I I've always kind of been a man out of time. Uh Ed, I, obviously I'm going to turn it over to you because uh when I said, "Ed, let's do songs of the 90s," you kind of gave me a blank stare that I could feel all the way from San Francisco. Uh what is your relationship? How do you think of music from that decade?
2: I don't think m- much about it to be honest like. Like let's see. Uh, I guess I think about the birth of alternative as a genre which is a pre- precursor to the like the punk and then, then the emo and then I like the, the pop punk thing that we're in now, sort of like dance pop pop. Um, and I think I think of like a counter to everything that happened in the eight, like I feel the 80s were a counter to the 70s disco and the 90s were a counter to whatever that, that was in the eight, the synth driven 80s. That's what I think about the 90s.
0: Uh, yeah, when I think of 90s music, I think of three things I think of uh. The last time when rock and roll was the leading popular music in the country uh, with grunge, I think of the kind of mainstreaming of hip hop around that period. And I think of like the return of the grand uh, kind of boy band, girl band, pop machine kind of Uh reasserting itself in a big way in the 90s. Well, that and I suppose like the mainstreaming of country music, which is still before the 90s, like Garth Brooks didn't exist. And now we've had lots of Garth Brooks's over the years, Mm -hmm. you know, mainstream country stars. There used to be a pretty sharp line between popular music and country music, which doesn't quite exist today.
2: To to your point, I almost picked a Shania Twain song, because I was thinking about songs I listened to in the 90s, actually. (laughs) But I've, I've, I'm 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 like in response to myself. I've gone too country on this show, so I'm <laughs> counterculturing myself. That's funny.
1: Well, that's funny because like even Shania Twain I never felt country. Like I first time I heard well, her Canadian, right? Well, I <laughs> <laughs> Canadian country. It's like the first time I heard her, I was like, oh, that's you know, she's a singer. Like oh yeah, she's a country singer. I'm like, oh okay, but she didn't. It didn't feel like it was. Uh, A a stretch or uh, or like an awkward transition into pop. Like she just, she just sounded like a pop singer. Like like it sounds like she, she was somebody that would do whatever she needed to sing to be popular at the time and. And I think, so when I heard her, it never even dawned on me that, like, ooh, this is like a crossover from country. It just felt like just more pop.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Shania Twain was one of the original crossover country singers. Uh, You know, before the 90s, like, you didn't have Garth Brooks selling out uh, Central Park. Right. Uh, That was pretty unique to that period, and now you have... Taylor Swift, who's not really a country singer anymore, but she got started as a country singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not as unheard of as it used to be. You know, you, yeah, Shania Twain, who when she did Come On Over, was a massive crossover hit, but it was still technically like on paper a country record, even though it was produced by a, uh, uh, the guy who produced all of uh, Motley Crue's records. But it it uh, it was e- essentially say. a country record, and then later she did like I think it was Go or Up or something. Her next album where she did a country version and a pop version, and you could buy and them a next world to each other. and a world version and a world version exactly. So like but there was know, a period where I, the, even then they, they were still trying to like keep those lines in place, which now they've just abandoned that. Yeah, there are.
3: I mean, I'm I guess there probably are lines that I don't know about because I don't listen to country music, but it mm. doesn't seem like there are any lines it's all just country pop I mean that's mm-hmm. that's what it is I,
2: I I was I thought of an interesting point as we were discussing this is that I think the grunge movement in some, the grunge and rock movement is a is the reason for the country pop over success because I'm thinking I'm thinking about like I'm a little bit uh, projecting on my mother and like thinking about her music listening habits like there was, she was big into Polly Abdul big into Janet Jackson etc in the 80s <laughs> and uh and and then grunge took over in the 90s and i think for that pop melody and country just filled that void in the 90s that's what that's that's what my thought on this
0: it's a really i mean that's a really solid observation i know while grunge was the biggest the biggest music in the land me and my friends were listening to country music because it was not so much a reaction to the to grunge but at the time it was kind of an alternative to grunge it was kind of like the only you could get your rock and roll excitement from a garth brooks record if the grunge movement was kind of too negative and intense for you uh which is quite frankly what it was for me in in 1992 um so yeah that's a really valid point uh for for those softer souls of us at the time uh seriously can Candace's eyes could be like heard rolling Look, I just, all over this I have show.
3: way too many thoughts. Every time you say rock and roll, I giggle.
0: Oh, um, you said that last night. But yeah, I say yeah, rock and roll like an old man. Super funny. Um, <laughs> and
3: I just, there's, I think there's too much in the 90s that I have opinions on. So I might end up being totally silent because I don't know what to say. Oh,
0: no, I want to hear all. So I'm going to roll down before we get started. I'm going to roll through a couple things
3: and I want to hear your opinions on them. You kay. ready? Yes. All right. I want to hear your opinion on No Doubt. Kind of changed my life, man. I mean, it was it was the first time I I listened to rock. I was a huge rock fan in the '80s, but I was also a pop fan, and yet there was a very very small overlap. You know, you had Heart, you had all of these these great great female musicians, but you didn't really see you were either one or the other, right? No doubt was it completely like changed the game entirely, and it was like, oh wait, I can be pretty, I can be cool. I can play with the boys and I can be totally in charge. It was a big deal. That and I was really? like 12, I think, when Tragic Kingdom dropped. So like it was perfect timing.
0: Yeah, that, that was definitely the that was a pretty watershed moment for, for a lot of people. And, I mean, being from Southern California, that band was
3: massive. Right. And I was I lived in the Midwest, so yeah. I also had that whole Southern California vibe in my bedroom.
1: <laughs> and It was pretty great. Yeah. And it was pretty impactful even for, you know, us East Coasters. Mm. And uh, you know, a little bit older, but still, yeah. It was, it was, it was refreshing. It was groundbreaking. It was really, really needed.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was necessary. It happened. It they popped at just the right time.
0: That's interesting.
2: I mean, I think bathwater is up there with dogs. Dog days are over as one of the greater songs. Spiderwebs. Spiderwebs was like
1: one of my like I couldn't get enough of it.
2: I love spiderwebs too.
1: That was just that was one that I was.
2: I didn't it hear Firewood really until I got the with. No Doubt Greatest Hit CD, and I was like, ooh, this song is legit. Ooh. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I just really, really loved that song. Okay. All right,
3: Candace. Spin Doctors? I appreciate the Spin Doctors, and I think that's my only opinion on that. I mean, if it comes on the radio, I'm going to jam super hard, <laughs> but I don't. I never owned a Spin Doctors album, nothing like that. Um, Limp Bizkit? Yeah. <laughs> well... Limp Bizkit really appealed to the angry part of me because it was just, it was super loud and he was in your face and he was, I don't know, can I say WT without, I, I kind of was WT, so I feel like I can say it without it being offensive to anybody else. Oh, okay. Like he was, he had this vibe that was very much every basement party I went to. Like he just you thought you would see him walk in the door. Mm-hmm. So like I vibed with him, like I got Limp Bizkit, but again, I never owned an album or anything.
0: Uh, the Reality White soundtrack?
3: I mean, it's fantastic, but not my favorite <laughs> 90s soundtrack at all. I mean, what like is your favorite 90s soundtrack? Uh, um, You're going to go
0: Batman Forever, aren't you? That's in the top five
3: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It is a great soundtrack. I don't know, Empire Records, The Craft, Batman Forever, The Crow. Singles. Batman Forever, I will skip track number four which is kiss from a rose <laughs> which is <laughs> all heard that song time. enough times right
0: oh that you're yeah. not bringing kiss from the rose tonight i thought that uh, was your song tonight
4: mm, no no
0: oh oh that's a bummer Let's get right into it. Uh, we are talking about Songs of the 90s this weekend. Guys, this is a very broad topic, which I fully acknowledge. <clears> is super broad, but we're going to do what we can to uh, talk about Songs of the 90s. Uh, I've got the names in the randomizer, and let's see where we go. Uh, I'm okay with uh, going first. I've never won. I won. Oh my I, gosh, that's right. Ed, you have to go first because you want won. to go first. Good point. I, I earned it. Well, we're turning over to Ed then. Ed, uh, please tell us what you brought this week for uh, Songs of the 90s.
2: Um, I was considering quite a few songs for this, basically because I didn't really feel like invested in this topic. So I was like, <laughs> as I was like, okay, which like I was thinking like maybe uh, Crowded House, but Josh is like that's hardly '90s, even though I was like it technically is. And then I was thinking Savage Garden, and then I was thinking The Coors. I was going, I was going a bit around, and oh, then nice. I like when Josh is like, I need your final selection I was like, Torn by Natalie Brilliant, I guess, and you know. <laughs> I I stand by the choice because it is a strong pop melody that Natalie uh, delivers in this, and there's something unique about it that it feels singer-songer writery, but also it it's also very produced, and I think that's something you maybe not maybe maybe not unique about '90s music, but something about '90s music was like you're like they're starting to toe that line that like other that future acts started to take in like you had um, even I'm thinking like early Justin Bieber stuff perhaps was is kind of borrowing from this this blueprint of like it feels singer-songwriter but it's like totally a producer record and let's take a listen to it.
4: I thought I saw a man brought to life. He was warm he came around like he was dignified. Show me what it was to cry Well, you couldn't be that man I adore You don't seem to know, seem to care What your heart is for I don't know him anymore
2: So I kind of see this song as like the Venn diagram of alternative angst and country pop and like this is, this is where it lands right in the middle of there appealing to both sides of the aisle and I think that's the real strength of Torn I, and it's still and I feel frankly it holds up to this day which I think is a part of the reason why I thought of it when, when, when push came to shove
0: It's an interesting song. It's actually a great observation you make about kind of the produced... Authenticity that was kind of coming around out around this period. Like, in a after Lisa Loeb, there was so many, so it's such a hunt for like the next kind of cute girl singer songwriter, even right. when they weren't an actual singer songwriter like this mm-hmm. song, which has had been covered a bunch of times before her and uh, was covered a bunch of times after her. Um, you know, you had like the Meredith Bainbridges of the period, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm trying, oh, like, well, and Sophie B. Hawkins kind of getting dragged out of Canada around that period.
3: Yeah, but she has a very specific career. <laughs> That's kind of awesome and Two songs own. Yeah
1: Isn't there
0: Two songs Buy a house in Venice Become a painter
3: I mean they can't all be Jewel You know
0: Yeah well definitely Jewel Was kind of the queen yeah. of that
1: Yeah, yeah. Sure. It was also that time of like Everybody just wanted To believe in you know This indie pop star Who you know Yeah was the singer Songwriter did it all Themselves and You know just kind of You know broke out of The studio system Yeah Do you have a very romantic notion?
0: Do you have memories of this song at the time, or is your relationship developed for it afterward?
1: I feel like it's always been a song that's
2: been in my life. So I mean, I don't remember like specifically being in the nineties being like, yeah, but I I know it was a song from the nineties and I've always liked it. I've like like to me, she's like the spiritual successor or Predecessor, rather, Spiritual predecessor to like my to my era of this, which is the Michelle Brants, the Mesa Carltons, mm-hmm. the Jojo's, the some may even say later down the line, Cerberillus of of Stop it. Stop it!
0: Be careful.
2: I said some may say. I was like, there were so, so many caveats in Not that statement. Watch
0: <laughs> uh, Let's turn it over to Candice. Candice, what do you think of Torn by Natalie Imbruglia?
3: Um, I. I like the song. I know all the words. I jam. It's in some of my Spotify playlists. (laughs) Um, I absolutely appreciate that singer-songwriter vibe we're talking about. And it is overproduced um, because the 90s were quite a bit, no matter what the genre was, they were about the formula. Mm -hmm. Everybody was selling records like crazy because they had finally cracked these formulas, whether it be pop group, boy band, whatever it is, they were making them. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So it, I appreciate it.
0: It's definitely, uh, it's hard to believe how many records sold in the 90s. Like really mediocre bands were able to sell a gazillion records because there was really only way to get music the singles were gone. Mm-hmm. The right. singles were... <laughs> yeah, the I mean, singles
1: were ridiculous. It was the stupidest oh, yeah. idea ever. Yeah. And you would it's just annoying. buy
0: CDs for one song and yeah. they were able to get all of this money out of you during this period. It was it was really I something. I mean,
2: what, were there B-sides on those singles? Like in all, as a question yeah i sort mean of. there
0: were singles arguably but it was really like a collector thing like you yeah. didn't just go out and yeah. buy the song you wanted unless like i was you know as i've said on the show before big ben folds five nerd and we would go out and find ben folds five singles because the b-side would always be like some cover of champagne supernova or something uh but you didn't really do that you would just go buy the record you spend the 10 bucks and buy
2: the record well, see, I, I,
3: yeah they... i always
2: i always see The the that I kind kind of like miss in music. I was like, I don't know. It it feels like there's like you could have the album, and then there's like, oh, I if you wanted to dig deeper, you could.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's today, but back then it was only the album. It was it was one Mm -hmm. unit. Uh, Jennifer, uh, thoughts on Natalie and Brillius Torn?
1: It's a really pretty song. Yes, uh, I. I remember I remember where I was in my life at that point, and it wasn't always a happy place um, yeah. you know, and I was kind of noticing when I was looking at oh, all four of our selections kind of fall into like one of four different main categories if you had to kind of um, categorize how the ninety was broken up, and like this one I was like, oh, it fall into it fell into the angsty emo, you know, girl pop genre you know indie girl pop genre and you know like Alanis and um yeah we said Lisa Loeb and I did put no doubt in there but still you know not not like in a bad way um and none of it's a bad way uh it's it's really nice and we were watching the video earlier and it's just like I just remember the first time I saw her I'm like I was I was not the 90s was really hard for me um it's kind of my last lost decade but um I looked at her and I was like Oh come on, she's too pretty to have problems. <laughs> <laughs> like just looking at her, I'm like, really? Really? Oh my gosh. It's
0: a very nineties video with like the oversized oh. shirt. Or it actually was the cute T shirt with the giant pants. Yes. The very nineties look. Uh, it was very and she's kind of stunning. In she that. had the
1: asymmetrical haircut and the big yeah. doe eyes and which the but the thing is, you know, it's like yes, she's stunning, but she, she does have the voice to carry it, so she well, actually can perform. So
2: i like look i look at the video as like uh, natalie is like it like she's like the type of girl like who rejects all all the uh, all the fallacies of hollywood but but is in it anyways like she has her (laughs) cake and eat it too like oh i I reject this but i'm a superstar and i have gazillions of dollars yeah it's
0: it's Uh. this is a classic instance ed where you and i uh, you like the thing for the same re- reasons that I dislike it <laughs> which is the, the recurring phenomenon on their show yeah. I mean man this song back at the time it was inescapable I really have a frustration with songs that you can hear at one time and know all the words uh, and this very much <laughs> fits under that um, <clears throat> yeah I just I've always found this song real treakly and kind of uh, just coming back to like that very simple torn like too simple Um, I have a great torn memory though which I will share before we move on Uh, I had a it was a Saturday morning at my when I was living in the dorms in college. Natalie and Burley had performed on SNL the night before. I went to an early morning Dungeons and Dragons session because I was super popular. And uh, I came back from my early morning Dungeons and Dragons session. And There were two guys that had been drinking all night the night before and were still drunk, sitting on the couches watching SNL from the night before on television. And singing along with the song, but the only words they knew were "torn and naked on the floor," <laughs> singing them at the top of their lungs. Wow! It's a very, college very college moment.
1: Very
0: college moment. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our next pick. Jennifer is between you and I, so we're gonna Rochambeau it. You ready? Oh
1: my gosh! Okay, one, two,
0: three, so so many
1: or don't. So okay. One, two, three, don't. One, two, three. Damn it! <laughs> You're up. <laughs> I'm up. Okay, so. As I said nineties was kind of my my uh lost decade. I was out of college. I had probably i don't know twenty different jobs in those ten years, some lasted a day, some lasted three years. It was a very a very um very up and down period for me, so I kind of know where I was when all of these songs came out like I know where I was when I you know saw singles I know when I when I heard teen spirit I knew when I heard torn and all these other things and I remember um, things started to kind of look like they were starting to you know focus for me and 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 life was starting to make sense and I had direction again which is probably so 97 ish and um, so that's around the time that I also heard this song which was uh, Fuji's killing me softly.
4: I heard he sang a good song. I heard he has died. And so I came to see him and listen for a while. who
1: heard anything like this before I fell in love with her voice right away I was not I I didn't have much exposure or um, you know understanding of rap or hip-hop and just hearing this felt like a whole new genre for me it just just totally opened it up so first of all the first time I heard it I was like oh I love this song this you know song from the 70s Roberta Flack amazing song such a beautiful song sad it, but, um, but not creepy. Uh, you know the whole thing. She's uh, sees a performer, and she's so moved by it. She feels like she has this amazingly personal connection. So then she writes this amazing song. So to me, it was just art creating art in such a beautiful, meaningful, and emotional way. And um, so yeah, that was that was just something really special and unique to me. Um, so I uh, did some research about the song and it turns out that um, <clears throat> it was actually written in 71 in Uh Charles Fox and uh, Norman Gillis I'm probably saying that wrong but they wrote it in uh, conjunction with this woman Lori Lieberman so she was a young singer-songwriter in the sev- uh, early 70s and she had actually gone to see a Don McLean concert He was performing his song, Empty Chairs, and she was just so, just so moved by it. She actually wrote a poem, and then when these guys, uh, Charlie and Norman, were going to write a song for her, she said, hey, I wrote this poem, and then they had the title, Killing Me Softly, and then they wrote the song, and she recorded it in 71, but, uh, and it didn't, it did okay, but then it was when Roberta Flack did it that it really became popular. So, um, so apparently uh the Fugees had their first album a couple of years prior to the score, and when they were recording the score, they had uh decided they were going to do one more song and that's when um uh uh Prez michael praz praise praz michael oh uh so yeah, not Lauren and not Wycliffe. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Prez. laughs> he uh he suggested he suggested that they try to do a cover of it and that they try to see how they can break down the beat. And in doing that, they also thought, well, okay, we'll sample a riff from the, um, the, the song that they really liked from uh, A Tribe Called Quest. It turns out the riff that they sampled from that song, A Tribe Called Quest had sampled from another song from 1967. Wow. So it just kind of has this you know, interesting layered history. And I just, I, 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 just, I love the sound of it. Um, it really kind of, it made hip hop accessible to me which I didn't think could happen because I didn't have any of the shared experiences. And I just think it's an absolutely beautiful song. There you go. That's my choice. That's one, the,
0: that's one of the big things about the nineties was mainstreaming hip hop. Like before the nineties, hip hop was kind of still I mean, it wasn't really even played on M T V until the nineties. And it yeah. may it became, you know, what is now the the most popular music in the country. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's the always the chart topper is, is hip hop now. Um, yeah I mean you can 't beat this song listening to it now i 'm still struck by how there 's almost no music in it uh yeah, it's very when same, yeah. even even in the hook you 've still only got the bass line mm-hmm. uh and lauren hill 's voice i mean my God like so <laughs> you amazing. just can't figure it 's one of those great voices of just ease like mm-hmm. it seems like she 's not trying and yet is so impactful mm-hmm. just really fantastic uh, Ed, uh killing me softly, what do you think about this song
2: it 's like obviously a classic i'm i'm thinking more of the original version but obviously i'm familiar with this one i feel like this is a song that always comes up whenever the whenever a radio station does like 90s music day week hour yeah, whatever. For sure. i feel like this song always comes into it and i'm browsing a Along the Wikipedia page, I'm realizing that Wyclef John did not just come out of nowhere to be featured in in some song that I must know him for. Hips don't lie. It's like why do I know why do I know him? Oh, yeah. hips don't lie. I thought he just came out of nowhere for hips don't lie. He, um, he was just this
1: guy who wanted to run for president of Haiti. You know, he yeah,
0: had like songs yeah. with Bob Dylan
2: in the '90s. And
1: like. Okay, but but. He,
2: but he did was featured on Don't Lie." let's not forget yes. his yes <laughs> <accomplishment>. oh, absolutely <laughs> um i think it was a really great song i think the melody is great i feel if, if i had like one thing wrong like when i was listening to it on the spotify's this morning um i felt like there was just like a lot of space in the record and i don't mean that in a good way i was just like like nothing's happening in this five second bit at oh. all
1: <laughs> wait like, you just uh, weren't grooving out and enjoying those soulful sounds
2: I don't got time for that. I need some background <laughs> melody. Like, I'll find this one time, two time. I was into that. I was like, okay, that you're filling the space. But there was, like, legit some times where there's just nothing. Oh, mm-hmm. that's
0: what I love about it. Um, as we said, I'm Josh old, and I always <laughs> like and dislike things for the exact same reason. Uh, Candace, the Fuji's Killing Me Softly.
3: Love the song. Great song. And what you were saying about how it put different things together and it made hip hop like accessible to you and definitely accessible to a a whole bunch of people yeah um that's kind of what i think the 90s was about there was so much happening in the 90s -hmm. anything went Mm -hmm. and you could do whatever you wanted and more than likely if you were already somebody find somewhere for that music to go (laughs) there was and and this is everything from fashion to tv movies everything there was so much happening everything was layered Mm-hmm. So I I think this is a great choice.
0: Well, I think what's interesting is that everything was happening and yet at the same time there was only one place to get it. So it was like the, there were a million bands or there weren't a million. There actually weren't that many bands and all their music was at Best Buy. And so if as long <laughs> as you could get your CD on the shelf at Best Buy, you could sell a lot of records. At a cost, Costco and
3: BJ's. Um, so if
0: you could get a if you could get a deal, you could sell some records in the 90s. Uh, Well, I'll go next. Uh, I, uh, you know, I I went back and forth on this song choice quite a bit. Uh, We talked about it last night at the cookout quite a bit. Me trying to figure out what song I wanted to do. Um, I was thinking about Jeremy, which kind of defined MTV at the time, for a long time. Jeremy came out in about 92. Uh, I was thinking California Love, because we were talking about the mainstreaming of hip-hop, and also you know Tupac Shakur, which was such a significant part of 90s music. I was thinking about Two Princes by The Spin Doctors, because <laughs> I was like, what's a song that could only have existed in the 90s, where, like you said, if you had a deal, you could get your CDs on the shelf at Best Buy, and everyone would buy them. Uh, you can, <laughs> Two Princes today. Well, um, I don't follow Chris Barron on Twitter. Chris Barron follows me. That's a true story. Wow. So that's that's where uh, that's, that's, uh, how I know the spin doctors today. But I ended up having to go with the song that, quite frankly, it's hard to argue, is the definitive song of the 90s because to talk about the 90s without this song just doesn't feel right. And this song is, of course, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. what about
3: it
1: unplugged nirvana unplugged did you see that of course god it was amazing oh yeah that was actually appointment television and i I didn't
0: yeah i didn't get them until unplugged though unplugged was the first time i was
1: like that's nirvana and i didn't didn't watch tv in the 90s so that was a big big deal wow
0: so that's nirvana i mean just to you know you don't need the introduction but they were formed in the late 80s in seattle they only recorded three albums uh, but there's three albums that really defined grunge they find hard rock, they defined alternative uh, rock for that period. Uh, Kurt Cobain, Chris Novoselic, Dave Grohl uh, Kurt Cobain who's really reached kind of mythic proportions at this period and since as my generation uh, kind of gets older and older and has more and more discretionary income and control over things Nirvana has reasserted itself so deeply into the conversation in the last uh, few Years, But, I mean, Nirvana is, I think, the definitive grunge band. Uh, Grunge being that, like, mixture of heavy metal and punk rock, mostly out of the Pacific Northwest. Um, And the thing about grunge, and the reason I did not get it at the time, and really didn't care for it at the time, is it is the most self-serious, joyless music. And yet it existed as a total response to the 80s right it was it was like these were guys that grew up listening to poison and guns and roses and yet they were from the pacific northwest where they were poor and uh, it rained all the time and so they couldn't really relate to that and so they created grunge music um and it was really it really rejected the idea of being a rock star the the whole aesthetic about it we're going to wear flannels we're going to look like we just woke up and that became the 90s like that visual aesthetic that audio aesthetic the mid 90s were defined by this concept of rejecting decadence rejecting joy <laughs> in a lot of ways we are lost in a sea of our 20s and uh and that was what it was. I mean, smells like team spirit. It's four chords that are just beautiful. Uh, Dave girls drums are unbelievable. Chris Novoselic, like, doesn't get quite as much credit as he deserves as a bass player, but maybe doesn't deserve that much more. Uh, but just, you know, he, he holds it down and that they actually, Kurt Cobain wanted to write a pop song. They had, you know, the first record, which was very punk, heavy metal record. And they get to this one. He says, I want to write, uh, there was some quote where he said, "I want to write the ultimate pop song like the Pixies, which no one has ever said before I love uh, or since." But that was what yeah, this Pixies. record and specifically this song was was just him going to Butch Vig and saying, "Make me sound like the Pixies. Turn turn the treble entirely off and just create that that overpowering uh, power out, out of out of the punk music." And it, what I love about this song is that defined nirvana. It defined grunge. It was inescapable in 1992. Huh? It largely defined, you know, the last time rock and roll was ever the popular musical force uh, in America. And yet it's still Good, Like, there's a lot of songs from this period that I'm super over. I don't need to hear anything Stone Temple Pilots ever did again. Like, most of 10 I'm pretty good with. Uh, I don't need to hear... Uh, I certainly don't need to hear a lot of the bands that came out of this period. But I can still listen to this song. This song. There's something about the potency and the honesty and the authenticity of Smells 19 Spirit that I still think holds up after all this time. It was also uh, the... Title smells like Teen Spirit was created by Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill, which mm-hmm. uh, makes me super happy because we've talked know. about how much I love that band. Yeah, um, and yeah. I just uh, let's see. There's what oh so and then I really wanted to talk about how one this kind of became the anthem of a generation, and there's I mean you can't really deny the power of that when you're talking about the songs of the '90s, but also that I really think that this song and this style like you have like rock rock in the 90s was started with this style right you had nirvana and all this all the bands were adjacent to nirvana you had you know the, the the temple of the dogs and the sound gardens and stuff they were all kind of coming up around that period so you have the nirvana and the bands that are adjacent to nirvana in the mid 90s you have the mainstreaming commercialization of nirvana with our candle boxes and our seven Mary threes and all those bands. And then at the late nineties, you have the rejection of Nirvana where, you know, here, here's a bunch of grunge guys that are like, we are not rock stars. And then you have essentially the same class of people in limp biscuit and corn saying, we are rock stars and we want to live the rock star lifestyle and we want you to look at us Mm -hmm. as rock stars while we do rap and metal and so on and so forth. So I really feel like this was the beginning of the 90s and really... You know, maybe I don't. I would never say this is the high point of the '90s, but I don't think the '90s musically exists without "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and uh, I think it's pretty fantastic. And I think it shockingly holds up. And so that is my opinion. I'm going to turn it over to Ed. Uh, Ed, other than Casey Abrams, uh, what's your relationship to "Smells Like Teen Spirit"? Uh,
2: well, I think it's something that has come up a lot is is the word grunge. And I, I can't disagree with you when I think, when I think about grunge, I think about Nirvana. When I think about Nirvana, I think very specifically about this song. So I think what you're, what you're saying is accurate. And, and I, as you were discussing what Seattle's was like in the nineties, I got lost in like, I was like, hold on. Are you just, are you on Reddit? Are San Francisco right now? Like, <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? And then, um, uh, I think if there was, I was, I just didn't I didn't want to pick this song because I feel like it was like a little bit low-hanging fruit but there's a reason it's low-hanging fruit like it's it's probably one of the most definitive songs of the 90s
0: yes I, I agree it's low-hanging fruit I my response is just like the more I thought about it I couldn't Talk about anything else. um, If somebody to have a show about the 90s that doesn't include smells like teen spirit, the more I thought about it it just seemed like it wasn't a valid conversation. Uh, Candice, you have many thoughts.
3: So many, which I'm just not going to be able to get to. Um, of, of course, I love the song. I love the album. I love the band. If Pearl Jam heard you say that Nirvana was the definitive grunge sound, they'd be real upset. No doubt. Oh my gosh. But they're kind of always upset, right? So it's doesn't matter. Um,
0: Stone would be like, "Shut up." Just stop it. I will come over there. Um,
3: it, it, Nirvana right. was very, very important. We, you know, some of us didn't go to school when he died. I, it, mm. it was Nirvana was a huge, huge deal. Um, and definitely the whole grunge m- movement, but I think Nirvana in particular definitely influenced the, the flow of rock in the nineties. So without you're right, without it, we wouldn't have, well, what I'm going to talk about um, and, and we would we wouldn't have quite a bit um, things in the nineties moved very quickly. You went from uh, you know, I think Nirvana was very, very influenced by punk music and that's what you got in grunge, which was this anti-establishment. I don't need to care about you what you're telling me to do. Don't ask me to fix your problems, baby boomers. I don't want anything to do with this. And it was very, very important. I think that that came from punk. And then people kind of saw that you could have that opinion and make money. And that's when I think grunge changed into that's alternative. When and all box these, happened. Whatever. I, I like Candlebox. Listen, I don't, I'm very upset by, you, by your feelings about Candlebox. Um, Gonna listen to some Candlebox on the way home, whatever. Uh, but the, the Nirvana was extremely important, and I, I love the song, and it gave us Dave Grohl, right? So, like, very, very important. Good choice, you big jerk. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, Jennifer, if I. Uh, you know, you and I kind of have in common we're like if the if the music is uh too overpoweringly gloomy, we get a little, <laughs> we kind of uh we we start looking for other things to cheer us up. Yeah. Uh what do you think of uh Nirvana? Oh,
1: yeah, actually, I think you're right. I think when I find a sad song, I look for even even more sad song. Like I just mm. I kind of feed off of it. Um I love this song. I love this band. I think yes, this this so- this band this song specifically launched, you know, a genre that nobody had, nobody knew could exist. And you're right, Candy. You know, it was 90s was the decades where people, were like, you know, wait a second, I don't have to be just this. I don't have to be just that. And it was people, you know, trying new things. And this, this was really impactful. Hearing this, and I would listen to this over and over and over again. And the video is fantastic too. And I remember the day that he passed away. So, I was uh, I was I was running a video store at the time, and one of my clerks came in, and I didn't, I, you know, we didn't have cell phones, didn't uh, <laughs> didn't have the easy access to the internet, um, and I didn't watch the news. And my one of my clerks came in, and, nice kid, very quirky, but he came in and he had on um, he had on a black wrist armband. Wow. And. I in, in every day he would show up and he'd have the same uniform. He we didn't have uniforms but he would wear the same pants, mm-hmm. same shirt and same tie. And then he came in with an armband on. I was like, Hey, Brett, what's going on? And he said, Afterwards, I'm going to a candlelight memorial. I was like, Okay and he told me and I was just like I just remember feeling my knees get a little weak. I was like shocked. Wow. It was a very it was a very rare time, but um but yeah, this is this is fantastic. Yes. Little hanging fruit. <laughs> like, I mean, that is really going to be any of our defenses.
0: Um, <laughs> For this particular but, song. But yeah. the thing
1: is, I mean, yeah, it is hard to talk about the 90s and not talk about Nirvana. And then if you're, you're going to talk about Nirvana, you've got to talk about this song. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't bring all apologies. Like, yeah. I could have brought Heart Shaped Box, which actually yeah. I might have had deeper things to say about yeah, it. But, yeah, but yeah.
3: But this- I'm a Rate Me fan.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I think that, that might actually be my favorite. I'm going to go ahead and clip that out and make it my ringtone. Um, <laughs> I can't think before you speak. <laughs> um, Candice, let's turn it over to you. Uh, so you can give us the guest uh, guest privilege of going last. Candace, can you tell us, please, what is your song for this Songs of the 90s beatdown?
3: Well, it wasn't easy. Uh, many, many possibilities. Because just so much good stuff. But I want to smack my bitch up by the prodigy. Let's give it a give it a listen. All right. <laughs>
0: Is it Change My Pitch Up? It smack is. My Pitch yeah. Up?
3: Yes. Wow. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, and that is, that is about it. Uh, I love this song. I love this band. Um, it, this initially popped into my head. And I mean, I do listen to it all the time still. Constantly. Um, but it was the music video that was the most important thing to me. Jen, do you know about this music video? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Yes. Everybody does.
1: Again, you know, I, although I didn't watch a lot... In the ninety there were there were certain things that were in inescapable and yes. Yeah, and the controversy
3: surrounding this video was totally inescapable. It was hard to find. And
1: in the song. Yes. Yeah,
3: Before so,
0: YouTube, finding this music oh, video yeah. was hard. Well M T
3: V eventually played it late night after hour after like one o'clock or whenever they played that. MTV stuff. after dark yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, that so was. the the brief history is this is a fantastic electronica band. They started uh nineteen ninety, I believe, out of Braintree, England. Um and this music video it kind of rocked the world for the stupidest reason. The whole video is from first person perspective, and it's someone just partying super hard. There is cocaine, and there is chicks, and drugs, and booze, and it's just and the whole thing moves way too fast. It's a and it's lot of vomit. Lots of vomit. I mean, it's a dirty, <laughs> yeah, dirty hardcore party night. And then at the end of the video, that person looks at themselves in the mirror, and it's a woman, and everybody like fucking panicked. Like, everybody freaked out. It's degrading. It promotes violence against women. All of these things which are not true. The problem actually was that no one could deal with seeing a woman do these things. It Mm -hmm. made everybody very uncomfortable. And it really was America. Mm -hmm. England didn't have this problem. The BBC did ban the video for a short period of time, but America, like, freaked out about it. They ended up winning, like, best video in 1998. (laughs) So it all worked for them. I mean, they sold a ton of records. Everyone was really paying attention. Um and I just think it's a phenomenal video. I think it's a very kind of an important moment in in the 90s where we've started kind of doing more and more and more. We we fought against the the advisories on albums even though we still have the advisories on albums. We fought against censorship as much as we could and we kind of feel like we're getting ahead. You've got people on tv that are in bikinis and were selling sex constantly and then this video (laughs) knocked everyone on their ass for some reason it's just it's very interesting um it's industrial electronica i would say which i love i think that kind of music really found its footing in the 90s i mean it was there before it was there in the 80s not super popular but it was there um but in the 90s i mean you got you got the prodigy i mean nine inch nails which of course was around in the, in the 80s but they really kind of mainstreamed and by mainstream i just mean more people knew about them not yeah. that they like sold out um kmftm <laughs> life with a thrill kill cult you just got all of this music that was very heavily influenced by punk and grunge and mm-hmm. and all of these things but it, and it was still angry it was mm-hmm. mad but it's it was okay to be mad and it was like rave music and it was go out and screw the man and party and dance and do whatever you want to do and be who you want to be and it's I think it's still pretty popular today that type of music and that message
0: yeah I mean if you were to draw if you were to take all of our songs and, and say like what's the closest to something that exists right now like the, you if you put this on at a I guess they don't really do raves, but like this is really, Dubstep started in this moment, and you can hear all of the seeds that were going to grow uh, into what became Dubstep and you know, this massive EDM craze right now. Um, I don't even know if the Prodigy is still around. I hope somewhere he's sitting on a golden throne looking at the world he built, Right. he's probably broke as those things go. (laughs) Um, You know, all of what that is now, where EDM is an actual cultural force, Mm -hmm. As big as it is today, really starts with the Prodigy, starts around this period. Doesn't start with the Prodigy, but it starts around this period. Yeah. Um Chicago House existed before, but this is when it mainstreamed itself. So yeah, I mean I, I loved this song at the time, actually. This is one of the of of our four songs, this was the one that at the time I just couldn't get enough of. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I really like Smack My Bitch Up. I think it's I think it's fantastic. Uh uh I, I as far as like Definitive 90s songs I I don't know I, It's like this doesn't even enter my head as a 90s song This is almost more timeless than This doesn't speak Ooh. to the 90s If you brought a Nine Inch Nails song I'd be like yes that's the sound oh. of the 90s But the Prodigy doesn't sound like The sound of the 90s to me It sounds more just a a You know kind of like EDM it, it, it speaks to like edm in a larger case not to the culture of of the period uh, that video however is pretty funny in that like when viewed through the lens of 2017, it is positively provincial. Uh, <laughs> I have seen uh, art films by yeah. celebrated artists winning cans oh that make this look like uh, uh, make this look <laughs> like a student project. Right. But um, yeah, Lots it's pretty hilarious. Uh, I was thinking more. Uh, uh, oh, the the guy who did Love and Enter the um, Void, like, next to this. this that's yeah, nothing. Uh, uh, pretty hilarious. I, uh,
3: I do want to make a quick response. Okay, yes, please. It, that's interesting that you say it doesn't feel very 90s to you because this music, well, this song in particular, but this kind of music, kind of makes me flash to very specific movies. It's very mm. much, it's, it's Blade, it's Hackers, it's... Mm. Uh, the train spotting and just and and run, all the run yeah it's just all of these movies <laughs> that have these big fast cuts and there's a million things happening it's go you know what i mean like yeah. it's crazy so for me it feels very 90s i think because i put it with that picture in my head
0: very true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ed uh smack my bitch up had you heard this one before
2: um the first time i heard this song was this morning uh <laughs> unshockingly but uh it kind of felt like uh, somewhat to josh's point it doesn't feel particularly 90s but it does uh what, what what i feel like it was is someone was given a prompt of like i want a 90s stem for m- my new song that i'm working on and and i yeah i want it to feel very i want to have like all these 90s inflections and like this and then the producer pops this out and he's like oh yeah this is this is what i was thinking of yes Vague, <laughs> vaguely 90s feels very like on trend right now which is a little interesting and I think I think there is a somewhat of a cyberpunk movement happening, and maybe maybe that's what what I'm feeling.
0: Yeah, this was kind of dawn of the internet uh, mm-hmm. or rise of the internet, right around this period. Mm-hmm. I of the four songs, this one I could hear on the radio today. Like I could oh, hear somebody yeah. releasing oh, this song tomorrow, and it yeah. would be it would sound just as current. Jennifer, uh, the Prodigy, smack my bitch up. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it is. It is kind of funny because I forgot it was it was technically the the late 90s um i don't remember exactly when i heard it i just know like at that you know point in my life again i was like finally starting to get my life on track and focus it wasn't um it it wasn't like the scene i was in like like i think of you know the the i I had a intern who worked for me and she was a crazy little club kid who was out all night um you know taking drugs and, and going to raves and everything. And this is what I imagine, like, the soundtrack of that uh, experience. of pretty there. accurate. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, like, yeah, yeah. What's going on. And oh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. when you said all those movies, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that's all exactly that. It's this, like, you know, hyper, hyper energy, drug-fueled uh, craziness. You didn't uh, see me
0: get my glow stick when we brought it out. Did you wear your leather pants? Oh yeah, my pleather
1: pants. pants, (laughs) Snakeskin print. Uh (laughs) So, um, but but that said, because it doesn't, I don't identify uh, with it as a as a a 90s moment for me. um, I do. I I I hear it. It's fun. I don't. um, I think maybe because maybe I heard it a little bit later, I wasn't as offended by the lyrics, and I did. I did actually read back um read up on it a little bit too, and they said that you know they'll like smack my bitch i had nothing to do with um abuse physical abuse of a woman, it was actually just doing something to an extreme like it was just <laughs> right. it was so again it's that that you know that hyper fueled energy, and um the thing is i I heard uh firestarter first oh, okay, yeah, I heard firestarter yeah, I definitely and, knew
0: firestarter mm-hmm. before this song
1: and um it's very similar. Actually, <laughs> musically, it's very similar. But, yeah, if I heard this in a club tomorrow, if I were in a club tomorrow, <laughs> I think it would be super fun. And, yeah, it totally fits with the music of today. But um, so I guess I guess the only thing, if I were to say something bad, it's just that I don't identify it as uh, a 90s moment in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're all wrong. I was too old. <laughs> well, it's like wrong it's just different but it's like just, like you guys oh. you guys were both in it's high school in college and i was in this like you know wanderlust decade and so like it, it didn't you have, were in it, singles it was oh my gosh yeah, repeat, yeah. on repeat for 10 years <laughs> uh, so yeah that's it's that's nice. it, it's just harder for me to identify with it
0: Well, let's go around the circle one last time and we will make our final statements, final case for making your song and why your song is the best and why everyone else should have to go back to the 90s with their mini disc player and uh, none of the records that got released on that because no records got released on that. Uh, Ed, let's turn it over. We're going to start with you. Make one final case for why Torn is the
2: ultimate song of the 90s. I think what makes it a a great song is how timeless it feels uh I, this led i believe on the strength of this song led to natalie brillia's three her only grammy nominations were three only nom- i don't know something over my words uh none of which she won which maybe maybe that's this is not a good moment to point that out but <laughs> it it was it's a fun song great melody it will come on the radio you still know the words it's true. and if you forgot you'll learn it by the end of it so <laughs> natalie really uh is deserve your vote
0: all right uh let's turn it over to jennifer now jennifer uh make one final case for the fuji's killing me softly and free to feel free to tell the audience why everyone else is terrible um,
1: um, again it, it's it's one of the great uh, original mashups I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna call it. I don't know if it's the original mashup but it's the, the, the blending of styles the blending of decades to create a, a new form of music that's so familiar but fresh and relatable and um, Lauren Hill's voice is just so incredible so amazing uh, the, the, the song was number two on the U.S. charts. It won a uh, Grammy in 97 for um, uh, Best R&B Song by a duo group and also an MTV Music Video Award for R&B. That was a cool video. That was a really cool video. Funny, yeah. And um, yeah, that is uh, that is why I think it, it should be the song of the 90s
0: all right uh well i will go next my song of course being nirvana smells like teen spirit uh i can you know i can list all of the various places that already called it the best song of the 90s uh rolling stone gave it number two for top 100 music videos of the 90s uh mtv number three greatest video music videos ever made vh1 greatest rock song uh on that list uh Let's see, NME number two greatest singles of all time, uh, VH1 uh, number three in the 1001 best songs ever. It, it, it you can't really get. You can't really understate the import, the impression of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, yeah, and I think the fact that after all of its lauding, after everything that it inspired and everything that uh, happened before and after, it still holds up as just a really fun song to put on while you're jumping around the house. Uh, I think, I think it's, it's hard to beat that level of import. Um, I will say Torn, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little treacly. For me that's what i'm gonna say about. what is this Jordan. word
2: i need to google
0: this this word. is just a little sweet it's like oversweet. it's <laughs> it's like cloyingly sweet um i uh will say the fugees uh it's a cover and uh i don't know i <laughs> I, I i it, it's is it the best song of the 90s or is it the best song of 1971 uh it's an interesting question and uh i'm gonna t- say the prodigy um it's that's a really good song smack my bitch up is pretty great but uh it it doesn't define the 90s the way that smells like teen spirit when you hear it you want to put on your flannel and your docks and uh your choker which will actually today put you in fashion, ironically enough. I'm, I'm so happy the choppers back. <laughs> I can't even deal with it. It's
1: all back. We're all gonna uh, we're all gonna chop our bangs really short too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and and you want to feel in the moment. Uh, so that's why I think there's really no other choice but smells like Teen Spirit. And last but not, we're gonna turn it over to Candice, and you are gonna tell us why you choose. The Prodigies "Smack My Bitch Up" is the ultimate song of the '90s.
3: I, I think it's the definitive song of the '90s. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong about everything you just said. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 Smells like Teen Spirit is one not fair. Two, I feel like all you had to say was "Smells like Teen Spirit." Might drop him out. Like that's it. That's all you needed. Um, the reason The Prodigies "Smack My Bitch Up" is the definitive song of the '90s is because. Like we were saying about the layers of the 90s, there was so much happening. I mean, the 60s came back in fashion. The 70s came back in fashion. Hip-hop became a thing. They mixed hip-hop with music from the 70s, and that became a thing. All of a sudden, there's this new alternative music. What? What's that? Who's doing ska music over there? Like, there was so much (laughs) happening all at once. And by the time this music really hit, which was, you know, mid to late 90s, really, I think this song is 97. Yeah. Oh, I think Um, it's later. It is that is everything this music this song is everything it is it is grunge it is angry it is it is anarchy it is all of these things and that kind of is what the 90s were all about was mm. all of these things so i feel like i win and i'm gonna go home and listen to more the prodigy
0: <laughs> well, that leaves it over to you, dear listener, uh, to make your pick for what you think is the ultimate song of the nineties. You can find us on Twitter at BeatdownPod, Pod, uh, on Facebook at Beatdown Podcast, or you can email us at beatdownpodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think is the ultimate song of the nineties that you heard on the show tonight. I have to put that in parentheses because there's plenty of people that are like, Jeremy is the ultimate song of the nineties. I know. And they're not incorrect. Too so many songs. <laughs> yeah.
1: So much. <laughs> they're, they're really are i mean it just so many were like rattling them all off last night yeah last
0: night we just kept going and going and oh, going songs like, oh, of the 90s this, yes, uh, yes. but yes we'd love to hear from all of you and uh, please vote because uh, it keeps the show going and makes us uh, makes us happy also leave us a five-star review on itunes or any review on itunes really i'll take it uh <laughs> and just uh it helps people find the show and uh, we'll be back next week with another topic. I don't know what it's going to be, but we'll figure it out. I'll put it on the Facebook page. Candice, before we go, i to tell people how to find you online.
3: You can find me in most places at Candy Presents. That's Candy with an I all basically over the interwebs.
0: Yes. Cool. Uh, posting often about The Walking Dead. Uh, so adorable supernatural memes.
3: Uh, we and, and you
2: can see an Instagram post of her preparing for this podcast More so for the single episode than I have for the entirety of. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) gosh! So
3: many notes. We're all so
0: impressed. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer, if people want to find you online, where should they go?
1: I'm at Jenny B. Creative, J E N and I, the letter B. Creative, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever.
0: All those things. All the places. (laughs) And if people want to find you, where should they go?
2: Um, At Edward Giordano. uh, Usual disclaimer. We're only week four of Big Brother Canada 5. Void me for the next six weeks. Thank you.
0: (laughs) And you can find me at Josh Burnell, B-U-R-N-E-L-L. That's it for us. We'll talk to everybody next week. Good night, everyone.
1: Good night. Thank you
0: beatdown is a production of us and is recorded in the office attached to our garage our theme song is optimism by the numbers by brian Lerner and used with his permission if you enjoyed this podcast please leave a review on itunes it helps others find the show the music clips we discuss in this podcast are used in compliance with the u.s copyright act fair use exemption for criticism and comment if you want to listen to the songs we talked about this week in their entirety visit us on twitter at beatdownpod online at beatdownpodcast.com and on facebook facebook.com slash
4: beatdownpodcast.